Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. I have two things before I even start, because God was doing something. But one is the, the marriage retreat. Um, I just would encourage you guys. I remember um, a pastor telling me a very long time ago that... You go to a marriage retreat, not because your marriage is in trouble, but because you want to keep your marriage going. So if, you, if it is in trouble, you should definitely go. But if it's not in trouble, you should definitely go. And um, I went to, I, I told my husband um, this last fall, there was a local church that was having one. I, I love this church. It's called Trenches. And um, they were having a marriage retreat. And so I, I said to him, I'd really like to go to this. And he goes, is there something you're trying to tell me? I'm like, no, I don't. There's nothing wrong with us, but I wanted to go, and it was so good. God does some amazing things, so I would encourage you to 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 go. And then the second um, little thing is that last song. Wow, took me back to a time when um, I was really struggling, and I just wanted to be closer to God. And and now I look back and see like the progress he did in my life. And that's just, that is just so great. So is, is the slideshow available? It's because I have it on. Oh, it is on. Okay. Well, there we go. So we're doing, we're in the, um, we've started a series. Uh, so we do like to do these series each, each, um, Sometimes it's four weeks, sometimes it's six weeks, sometimes it's a year-long series. So right now we're in Joy to the World, and we're specifically talking about... Okay, sure. All right. So we're, we're specifically talking about Advent. And I have to be really honest with you. When um, I said, sure, I'll, I'll speak on these dates, um, Pastor Cameron sent me a note and said, so we're going to speak on Advent. And I was like, Okay. Because what I knew about Advent was that. And actually, you have one right here. And um, what's interesting is I knew nothing about Advent. I didn't grow up in a traditional, although I did go to a Lutheran church. That pastor probably would not be really happy that I don't understand um, what Advent was. But um, so I did a little research because I thought, I, I won. all I knew was that you had this wreath. And I thought it was really strange. Why would you have purple candles? Christmas is red, you know. So um, I have an Advent wreath. And um, it's actually a little uh, nativity scene. And so I never used the purple and pink candles because that didn't make any sense to me. So I used the red and white ones. But as I started to do research, it's like, oh, it's kind of important. The purple ones represent not only royalty, but they are a representation of fasting and repentance. And um, the rose-colored one or the pink one was uh, significant for joy. And as I started to research, I learned a little bit about Advent and the beginnings of Advent. And the history lesson that I am preparing for you could be different. You know, there could be more. But what I found was in the beginning, um, in the 4th and 5th century in Spain and Gaul, the reason they had Advent was it was a 40-day preparation for um, Epiphany, which was in January, some places the seventh, some places six, but that was significant, and that's when people got baptized. So if you got saved from that, the whole you know, whenever you got saved during that year, they would have a bat- baptism on January sixth or seventh, and you would be praying and fasting 
for those 40 days. It really wasn't related to Christmas at all. And in the 6th century, it got tied to, um, through the Roman Catholic Church, it got tied to um, celebrating the fact that Christ came, but also looking forward to his return. Um, or I'm sorry, and that was in the Middle Ages that it kind of switched over towards Christmas time. And then today, a lot of denominations celebrate four, the four Sundays before Christmas um, to also be praying and reflecting and fasting. But a lot of times it's also called, Advent is called Little Lent. And if you know what Lent is, it's the 40 days before Easter in preparation for you know, thanking God that he sent his son to die for us, but also looking for Christ's return. So that is something that we're doing during Advent, thanking him for sending Jesus and looking for his return. And so in our series, we're talking about the four things in Advent of hope, love, joy, and peace. And Pastor Cameron spoke last week on hope, and I was unable to um, listen to that message, and he's speaking it today in Kalamazoo. So um, I'm sure it was good. I'm sure it was good, because Pastor Cameron is good. Um, so Christmas. You know, I think that another significant thing, now I realize it's only in the northern hemisphere and not the southern hemisphere, but during this time of year, it is the darkest time of year, right? We have the, little, the least amount of daylight and isn't that, to me, that's so significant that we celebrate the light of the world coming and shining when it's the most dark. You know, when God created the world, he created it and he brought light into it and he said it was good. And when sin entered, it was dark, you know. And so when Jesus comes and brings that light, it changes everything. And for me, um, to think about Christmas without lights and trees, and it just wouldn't be Christmas, you know. Um, but I remember those, um, you know, just that, that light that God brings. Not only the significance of him giving us a gift, which is also important. You know, I, I tell my kids, you know, I, I'm giving you a gift, but it pales in comparison to what God gave us. Um, so... There's two things I wanted to get you to get today out of what I tell you. Two things. So what are the, so what, how many things? How many things? Thank you. Okay, so the two things I want you to get out of today are that you would receive that God loves you and that you would reflect that love that he gives you. Okay, so I want you to receive the truth that God loves you and reflect that love. So I, as I was preparing for this, I um, was thinking about God, and I listened to a guy named Rick Warren, and he said, I thought it was very interesting, he said, you know, if you ask people what their concept of who God is, you're going to get lots of answers. You're going to get lots of different perspectives. And if you ask people on the street, if you were just to say, well, who is God? You might get, I mean, I just don't like those pictures very much. <laughs> I just don't, I just like, really? He, you know, people, I've talked to people and they're like, oh, God's that mean judge up there just waiting for you to fail. He's the, he's the one that's harsh and mean. And, you know, some people will say, well, 
you know, he's, he's good, but he seems very far away. And those pictures look just very far away, you know. And I know that the earth is his footstool, but I don't know. Just, that doesn't make me want to go, yeah, he loves me. I want to get to know him. Does it, I mean, does it really reflect that to you? I'm like, mm-hmm, I don't know. I mean, I know he's, and I'm not mocking that he's powerful. I'm not, that's not my intent at all. It's just he seems very um, far away. And <laughs> um, this quote by Rick Warren, I, I just want to share it with you. It, it was, um, what I think of God doesn't matter because it's an opinion. We need to know what the truth is. We imagine God in our view, our biases, but he created us in his image. We can't believe that God is made in our image. And if you were to ask somebody, he, he, he challenged um, people to say, well, if somebody tells you that they don't believe in God, that you should say to them, well, why don't you tell me about the God that you don't believe in? Because I might not believe in him either. Probably true, right? Like what? I mean, who really is God? It's not... He's not, he created us in his image. We can't make him out to be in the image we've created for him. And I know for a long time, as I was growing in my faith with the Lord, that my idea of who God was, was a lot of times they were separate. Like, Jesus, he's my friend. He's my buddy. He's the one who, you know, died for me. I'm saved because of him. And then there's God. And he's that scary guy. He's waiting, you know, to judge me, and, and even though I'd hear some truths about him, I couldn't really receive it. I couldn't really believe it. I'm suddenly warm. Okay. <laughs> um, so, we do need to know what the truth is. So, we're going to go to where we should go to find out who God really is. And so, we're going to go to the Bible. So, Jesus said this in John 14. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Whoa. So if I have this relationship with Jesus, and I know who Jesus is, then I know who God is. That is not how I ever saw it. I saw them a little bit separate. I knew they were one. But Jesus reveals who God really is. So the Jesus that came and ministered to the poor and ministered to those who were brokenhearted, that's who God is. God ministers to the poor. He ministers to the brokenhearted. He brings hope where there is no hope. And if we can relate to Jesus, then we can relate to God. And he came to reveal that God is love, which is what John 4, 8 says. So when Jesus came into the world, I could just see this whole, um, <laughs> you know, the Old Testament, we read the Old Testament, and we have this warped picture of who God is. Not, not always. If you, under, if you read it with this understanding 
that he is love, then you see a different picture. But if you read it and you're just like, this is this guy who, who's got all these rules and he doesn't really care about us and, and he, he's just mean. And I was thinking about um, one of my kids. <laughs> one of my kids. Ooh, man, I have five. And one of them, yeah. He, you know, was like, I just don't understand. He, I call them boundaries. Okay, really, they're rules. But so here at my house, I have a certain set of standards and rules and boundaries is what I like to call them. And this is what you have to do. And it's for his protection. It's for his, you know, it's for his good. I don't want you to put your finger in the light socket because it's going to hurt. I want you to, you know, do things that are going to be safe for you, that you will grow up. But over here at his friend's house... They don't have those. They don't have a lot of those. I'm not sure they have any of those. And so he would really rather go over there, like, because that's more fun. And, you know, sometimes my heart is hurt because he's like, I just want to live over. Yeah, okay. And then you'll grow up and be, ah. And I just, I just think about how this is the same thing. God had these rules for the people's protection. If you really study the rules and the laws, it was for their benefit. It was to protect the people. It was to keep the people in a relationship with God. And they went, yep, nope, I'd rather have some fun. And we all know what happens when you're really having fun. You end up in all kinds of trouble, you know. Life goes awry, there's consequences, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's really hard. And, and for God, a life without rules or boundaries is chaos. And yet he gives us that choice, right? He gives us the choice. It is not a, um, it's not a demand or a, um, I mean, it, we have a choice whether to receive what he has for us or not. His love is unconditional. Now, I I have to admit that sometimes um, my love for my kids has felt a little conditional. It's a little easier to love them when they're, like, behaving. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Now, when things go off the rails, it doesn't mean that I don't love them. I think I just hurt, and so I try to distance myself from them. But God isn't like me, remember? He created me in his image, not the other way around. His love doesn't change. His love is always the same. He still loves us when we walk away. And even in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 49, it says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He loves you. In Lamentations, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He doesn't change. His love is constant and poured out for us. So much so that his love saves us. In the New Testament, I want to share with you a story. In John 3, starts out with a man, his name is Nicodemus. 
And Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Okay, so we know that there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the one big difference was the Pharisees believed in an afterlife and the Sadducees didn't. Okay, so this Pharisee, who's kind of a, he's a high up Pharisee. He's not just like one of the regular guys. He's, he's up there. And he comes to Jesus and he goes, you know what, Jesus, you're a good teacher. And you do some amazing miracles. And um, Jesus' response, okay, I got to set the stage for you here. So, so Luke's a teacher and I'm a teacher, all right? So we got, you know, Nicodemus and we got Jesus. And I say, hey, you're a good teacher. I- I've seen you teach. I think you do a good job. And you know what Jesus' response was? I mean, what, what would Luke's normal response be? Thank you. You do good too. You know, something. Jesus says, yeah, well, you're not getting into heaven. <laughs> says you're not going to have eternal life. I'm sure Nicodemus is like, what? And then he goes on and says, you have to be born again. Okay, now wait a second. Jesus is blowing Nicodemus' mind. He's like, born again? How do I go back into my mother's womb? I can't do that. What, what are you talking about? And Jesus goes on and says, in verse 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man is lifted up, will uh, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Nicodemus, you're doing all these things. You're following the law. You're teaching the law. You're, you're doing all these things. But unless you believe in Jesus who died on the cross for you, you won't be saved. And, and he goes on and says, for God so loved the world. The reason that Jesus has to be lifted up on the cross is because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He repeats himself. He says it again. He says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then he says it again. When somebody's repeating themselves, if Jesus is repeating himself, you ought to listen, right? It, it's not about following the rules, Nicodemus. It's not about always doing the right things, church. It's about believing that Jesus was sent for you and me. Because God had to make it easy. It wasn't working out the way it, it wasn't doing, you know, we weren't, we weren't getting it. We were rule-bound. The Pharisees were like, okay, well, if we do this and this and this, and suddenly their hearts were far away from God. They weren't getting that he was loving. They weren't demonstrating his love for one another. They were so busy keeping the rules that they were uh, not even taking care of people. So God made it easy for us, but it cost him so much. He gave himself the very best gift. Now, um, I've shared with you on several occasions, you know, I've had... Um, I had a son who died, and I remembered back to um, that time, and, and I remember thinking, I'm praying, just take me, 
Just take me. Let him live. Just take me. And sometimes I could understand Jesus being willing to give himself for us. But I didn't always understand how God could willingly give his son. That he would say, I, I love that. That's love. That's love. I'm going to give him up for you. And the Bible is very clear, very clear. He would have died if it was just you. It's not just, well, yeah, I know Jesus died for them because they're so good, and, or that person, or he died for you. No mistake. He would leave the 99 for the one. You're the one. He gave his son up so that you could live. And that love, I don't know how much more extravagant you can be. And it doesn't change. He knows you may not receive it. You may say, I don't, I don't want that love. But it doesn't change. He doesn't stop loving you. It's always right there. It's always right there. His love is right there just waiting for you to receive it. He doesn't take it back. Even in Isaiah 55, it says, let, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. To our God, he will freely pardon them. That's Old Testament. He wanted them. He wanted a relationship with them. He wanted them to receive him. That's all he's looking for is for you to love him back. He demonstrated his love for you that while we were still sinning, while we were still making mistakes, he sent his son. Knowing we may not respond. We may not receive him. And it doesn't matter. Romans 8 says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing you do no person who gets in your way, no circumstance in your life can stop him from loving you. His love is right there for you Tuesday morning when you're struggling to pay a bill. His love is right there for you when you're not sure how to discipline your kids. He's loving you when you're in the middle of a sin that you can't get out of. He still loves you. No matter what happens, his love, you cannot be separated from his love except to not receive it. So that's the first thing. Believe that God loves you. Not just that Jesus loves you, but that God loves you. What is that? Does that change anything for you? Does that change your concept? It should change us. That God who made and created everything loves you should change things for you. It should mean something that he sent his son to die for you. 
And I'm sure that it does because you're sitting here today. But just in case you weren't sure, maybe you could believe that Jesus loved you, but you struggled with God loving you. He loves you. If you know Jesus, you know God. So how do we respond? Well, in 1 John 4, it says, And so we know and rely on the the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So if we believe that God loves us, then we love him back. We share that love. We reflect it back. You know, I was, I was thinking last Sunday before a service, I was praying and asking God what message he'd like me to share. And in, in, within the message, I mean, I had it prepared, but I, I saw this picture of us as a mirror and that God's love would come and reflect off of us to others. Because that's what should be happening, right? That we would receive God's love and we would reflect it back to him and we'd reflect it um, to others. And if you're reflecting that love back to God and it's not, not looking quite very loving or it doesn't, doesn't reflect very well, then I would challenge you that maybe you need to polish your mirror. And that doesn't mean I need to get my rules right. It means I need to believe the truth. And that truth, the way to believe that truth is to go to the Bible and read about it. And, I, and if you're struggling with that, John and the, and the first book, um, first John and second John and third John, John, the John books are good books to realize what God's love looks like. Because we want to be able to reflect that love back to him. His extravagant love towards us that we would be able to give it back. It says... In 1 Peter 2, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who call call you out of darkness into his wonderful light, that we would reflect praises back to him. You are a royal priest. Do you believe that? Can you receive that? On Friday night, we had the uh, Nichols um, Christmas celebration, and we did. Uh, they had set it up like it was Narnia. Half of it was winter, and half of it was spring. And they had a station for everyone to wear a crown, because once a king and queen of Narnia, always a king and queen of Narnia. We're a royal priesthood. My granddaughter made us crowns. I wore a crown for two days because she stayed with us. And so we wore it out to dinner yesterday. We went to a place, and, and there we were, and people were like, oh, is it someone's birthday? I'm like, no, I'm a priest, or I'm a royal, you know, I'm a queen. And um, one guy did say, after you, your highness. I was like, okay. Um, but, I, you know, my granddaughter said, we, I, I'm a queen, so I have to wear my crown. If I can believe my granddaughter, can I not believe God? God says you're, you're a king and a queen. You're a royal priesthood. And we reflect it back to others. We love because he first loved us. 
in 1 John 4, 8, it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So what does your love look like this Christmas season? It's always challenging, isn't it? Because the Bible's pretty clear about what love should look like for us. 1 Corinthians, love is patient. Even in the Black Friday shopping, is your love patient when you're trying to drive down Westnage to go buy that whatever? Is your love kind when once again Aunt Sally is obnoxious at the Christmas gathering? Does it not envy when someone else gets to go on vacation and you don't? Is it boastful or proud when you brag about what you got when you go on vacation? And there's nothing wrong with being excited about your vacation, but it's the heart of what it is, right? It's your heart when you're sharing that with others. Are you really loving them? Are you easily angered? Are you not keeping a record of wrong? I tell you that one right there, that's hard for me. It was really hard for me when my oldest, who was my stepdaughter, continually rebelled, continually did things that I, in my rule-oriented life, thought were wrong. And when her dad and I divorced and she wrote me off and didn't speak to me, I kept that record of wrong. And I don't know how many of you know Carrie Miller, but I was sharing with her one day, out of my hurt, how angry I was. Or actually, I was defending my reasons for not reaching out to her. And Carrie lovingly said, you know, that's really not what God tells us to do. <laughs> to which I went, you don't understand. Because I didn't really want to receive that. And what I realized as I was sharing with someone about this, that my heart had become a rock when it came to Anne. I had hardened my heart so hard that it was like a rock. But what Carrie had said was like a little, it cracked. And over time, God's love, I allowed God's love to pour into that. And if you've ever seen erosion happen, it's an amazing thing. Water is a powerful, powerful tool. And God, the Holy Spirit's like, likened to water in so many scriptures. And that love just kept, kept going through that crack, and it, and it finally broke that rock open. And it allowed a relationship to be reestablished. Actually, I was talking to her for about well, almost the whole ride over here this morning. Just, just about the fact that I'm sorry for the years that we lost. But that's God's love working in me and reflecting out to her. And that's what we want to do. We want to love others with the love that he's poured out on us. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. Because it looks different for each of us. But we need to believe and then reflect. We need to receive that love and we need to reflect it back. 
In 1 Corinthians, it doesn't end with, but that passage says, love never fails. It means we can't stop. We don't stop loving people, even if they turn away from us. God didn't stop loving us. He doesn't stop loving us. We need to keep loving one another. You know, more songs and stories have been written about love than any other subject. I believe that that's because God is love and he created this world. He created you and me. And if he created everything, then love is in the fabric of our being. His love is in our DNA. It can't be helped. It's the thing that I love to watch Christmas movies because true love wins. Okay, maybe it's not that great on the Hallmark Channel sometimes, but that's there. It's love. It's about love. And during this Christmas time, during this crazy time, we have an opportunity. You know, it's the one time of the year that you can walk into the mall or a store and you can hear his love declared over the, over the radio. Joy to the world, you know. Christ is born. Hark the herald angels sing. They're proclaiming Jesus all over the place. People are being saturated with it. It's a perfect opportunity to let our lights shine. As, as we were praying this morning, I just got this picture of just each one of us being lit up with his love. And then we go out into that dark world. We can light up our little corners of it and allow people to see who God really is. Not that harsh, judgmental, uh, but the loving Father who sent his Son so that we could have a relationship with him. You know, there, you always hear the stories of, the, of kids who, yeah, I got this or got that, but a lot of times at the school I work at, if I say, you know, what, you know, what did you get for Christmas or whatever, or what did you do with, or how did your vacation go, or something like that, they won't say, oh, I got this or I got that. They'll say, I got to spend time with my dad. I got to, pl- my dad played with me, or we went and did this. That time that you spent together is the most important. We each long for that time with God, and God longs for it with us. We need to share that with those around us, especially now, all the time. But you have an open door. Christmas is an open door. So would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much. (laughs) I thank you that wherever we're at, whether we know a little bit about you or we know a lot about you, we can, we can always know you better. There's more to you. Your love is unfathomable. It's so big, so deep, and so wide. 
that we can't learn all of it. There's always more. So, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for that love. And I ask today that you would help each one of us to reflect that love to those around us. I'm just feeling like the Lord's going to give you a picture of someone who needs to hear that, needs to know that love that God has for them. So whatever name pops in your mind or picture of that face pops in your mind, just be praying for them and be expectantly waiting for the door to open that you can share God's love with them. I just thank you for that, Father. Thank you for each one here. In Jesus' name, amen.